Whenever it comes around to the baptism services in this church, I'm always reminded of something. Uh, uh, most of you know what's coming. Uh, seven years ago, I flooded the church filling the baptism tank. And the problem was that it was a Tuesday evening, which means most of the church witnessed it. And those people that did witness it haven't shut up about it since. Crack the same jokes every year. So here's a picture of the flooded church where you are sitting. Uh, what had happened, I had put the baptism tank up, filled it with water, and then I'd gone to Billy and Jean Walkers for my dinner, as I did every Tuesday night. Uh, the problem is that one of the sides of the baptism tank had come off. So when I came back into the church and saw the water uh, cascading, is the only word I can use, down the centre of the church, I began to speak in tongues from the front of the church here. <laughs> And that there is the result. And the mop in my hand is really only for photo photographic purposes. Because it didn't make a button a difference whatsoever. <laughs> but anyway, what I realised with this, because is this is, listen, everybody fails. And failure is an event and never a person. And failure is never final. And what encourages me about this picture is you'll look at it and think to yourself, what an idiot. You won't say it, but you'll think it. Sam Clark might say it like me, he's, uh, he's thinking it but not saying it. But what encourages me about this picture is that seven years, this was seven years ago, and six years ago you all asked me to be your senior pastor. <laughs> so there you go, failure's never final, is it? And just one final slide. I knew I'd messed up that day when the following day I had to set it all up again. And I thought to myself, who could I bring down to help me? Who do I trust enough to come and help me to put the tank up properly for the baptism service? Unfortunately, nobody was available except these two. <laughs> fortunately, it did fortunately, it did stay up like. So come and join us tonight for the baptism uh, service at 6.30 uh, this evening. Let, let's just take a moment to pray. Father, uh, we come before you this morning. We thank you. We're gathered in your house with your people. There is no better place for us to be. Thank you for the word that we've heard around the table that just encourages us when we're in trouble. You are our refuge. Uh, and Father, we thank you today as we gather and even tonight as we sing people making their public profession of, of their faith in you that we come together to celebrate that with them uh, so father bless our time around your word now for we have a word that encourages and brings hope this morning uh, and so father we just pray that you'll be in the midst of it that you will move uh, people's hearts and lives today in jesus name amen we've all been enjoying the new song we've been singing uh, we've just sung it this morning. Scott's just led us this morning in the song, Psalm 62. And when I first heard the, th the song, I thought it would be good to share a few thoughts this morning with you, a few encouraging words with you uh, from Psalm 62. I love the Psalms uh, because there's uh, people who write the Psalms and David, David, King David writes a good chunk of them. He speaks about the experiences of life and his faith in God and how those two meet together. And, and that's what we really do in, in Psalm 62. 
uh, because there is so much for us to get out of uh, this psalm that will help us uh, today. You see, many of the psalms, David begins by telling us of his great need, or the trouble he's in, or what present crisis he's facing. But in Psalm 62, David begins by declaring his great confidence and trust in God. And though the psalm seems to come from a time of trouble, uh, David almost rises above that and declares his faith and his trust and his confidence in God in the midst of it. And it made me think of, of this thought that will help us uh, today as we begin. That our prayers must not always be requests for God to do things, but also a declaration of our confidence in him. That we mustn't see us coming to God as a shopping list of things that we would like him to sort out in our lives, of things that we would like him to deal with in other people's lives, that actually our prayers often must be a declaration of confidence in him. And that's the psalm that we're going to look at this morning, but the psalm that also the team have led us in, in singing. Uh, because it, it speaks about in Psalm 62 that my, my soul will wait. And the reality is none of us like waiting. It can be draining and discouraging. If we have to wait for something, we're doctors and it's called a waiting room, we wait. And it's often more challenging when it's spiritual, when we know we have to wait. But scripture tells us that we can wait with confidence, we can wait with joy, and we can wait with expectation uh, from the Lord. He is a rock and will prove to us again and again that he is our perfect uh, deliverer and strong defender as we've sung and the wonderful words of this uh, song that we have sung are taken from Psalm 62 which we're just going to read now the words are going to come before you on the screen it says this it says truly my soul finds rest in God my salvation comes from him truly is he is my rock and my salvation he is my fortress I will never be shaken how long will you assault me would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty, mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, power belongs to you God, and with you Lord is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. Even though David was in a life-threatening situation here, the psalm actually contains no prayer or no petition to God to do something. It's simply a declaration of who God is uh, to him and what God can do. The question in difficult circumstances is this, is who do we trust? Who do we declare our confidence in when we are in trouble? 
I love the way that this psalm opens and three verses it tells us this and it says this too it says this it does say this definitely <laughs> there we go truly begins three verses to emphasize his faith in God and God alone David is facing some trouble but he declares from the beginning that absolutely completely and without doubt God is his rock and God is his salvation he is his deliverer and when he says truly he's simply saying this is upon the rock that I stand this is the confidence and the assurance that I have by simply declaring truly this is me I'm standing upon the rock that is God and even though he's facing some trouble and you could be facing some trouble this morning and I thought Jackie was stealing my sermon at the table but that just proves that me and Jackie McCubrey are in the spirit uh, because everything he says compliments what I'm going to say and everything that I say compliments what he said David is facing some trouble there were ones that were counseling together how to ruin him and how to destroy him they were spreading falsehoods, they were using flattery, they were telling lies, they were inwardly cursing him. There were three things about trouble that are true, and I'm going to share these with you now. The first one is this, in life trouble's coming, you're in trouble, or trouble just left. That's really the truth of it. It says, in life trouble's coming, you're in trouble, or trouble just left. We always have to deal sometimes with some form of trouble. Trouble often expresses itself in simply two ways. You are either dealing with difficult people or difficult circumstances. That's where most people's trouble is. You are dealing with difficult people, and I keep saying this, you're thinking of somebody now going, oh, he's right, I'm thinking of that person. Or you're dealing with difficult circumstances, challenging circumstances. But the third thing is true as well, and this is absolutely true. The Bible never promises anywhere that there will not be trouble. What it does promise is what to do when we are in trouble. Jesus gathers his disciples together before he goes to the cross, and he says this almost as a promise, doesn't he? In this world you will have trouble. What an encouraging word there. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, so the promise is never that there will not be trouble. The promise is, what do we do when we are in trouble? And David gives us some lessons here that hopefully will encourage us and give us some hope this morning uh, while we are in church. Because eight times between verses 5 and 7, David uses the word my, M-Y. And if you use the word my, it just simply shows you how personal something or somebody is to you. If you say, my wife, she's your wife. She's nobody else's wife, even if you want to get rid of her. But she's still <laughs> your wife. She's my wife. If you say, my kids, they're your kids, they're nobody else's kids. My is the most personal word that you can say. And eight times between verses 5 and 7, David declares God to be these things. He says, he says, sorry, I'm, I'm losing myself. He says, my hope, 
my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my deliverer, my honour, my mighty rock, my refuge. And you see all of those things, eight things there that David simply declares in two verses. Not as a prayer, Lord, I'm having it hard and I'm having it difficult. He simply says in the midst of that, God is bigger than anything he's facing. He's my hope. He's my deliverer. He's my salvation. He's my fortress. He's my refuge. Something so personal to David that he simply can declare this. Because there is a declaration that often we miss sometimes in our spiritual life because we think that praying is sometimes just asking God for things. That's we just simply present our request to God. Yet actually it is also a declaration of confidence in who he is and what he is does. What is personal to you? He's my hope, my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my salvation, my deliverer. He says, I move on to the, the next point. This is so true. A step of faith is never a step into the dark or into the unknown. It is always a step into his promises. You know what happens sometimes when we talk about telling people to take a step or to stand upon something? We give the impression that it's unknown, that it's dark that it's it's uncertain listen when we're called to take a step of faith it says actually it's a step into his promises so David simply declares what he knows to be true about God that's all we do we declare what we know to be true about God so we're not stepping into the dark and stepping into the unknown we're stepping into his promises why are we doing that because he declares himself to be our hope he says that he's our fortress. He says that he's our deliverer. So David is just simply stepping out onto those. Somebody wrote this. They said this. They said, if God is my refuge, then what enemy shall pursue me? If my fortress, then what attack shall succeed against me? If my rock, then what storm shall shake me? If my salvation, then what sadness will overwhelm me? If my honour, then what slander shall harm me? How personal is that? How amazing is that that is spoken about? And whatever you are facing today, because there will be a hundred different circumstances and situations in this church that people are facing at the moment, you can be certain of the promises of God as anything. You can have confidence in those today that whatever is coming against you, he is all those things to you, your refuge, your rock, your fortress and your honour. You see, we ask ourselves the question, well, how did David have peace in trouble? Well, how could he do this if he was facing trouble? This was his family as well. Uh, this was his son. This was other people who were attacking him. They were wanting to destroy him. And yet in the middle of all this trouble, in the middle of all this crisis, David declares his peace. Not because he looks at the situation and says, this is awful, this is horrendous, this is trouble. He looks to God. He's my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my hope, my deliverer. Somebody said this, they trust God not at all, who do not trust him, not alone. Simply that our lives cannot be one foot on the rock, and one foot on the quicksand. Can't be that. Has to be both feet on the rock. 
trusting him. And David uses the phrase when he moves on as we move on through this. He says, when do we trust God? All the time. With everything. He says, trust him at all times. Ah, oh, but Matty, I don't know what I'm going through at the moment. The difficulties, the challenges, the, the people, the circumstances. Hey, trust him at all times. All times, every time. There's not a situation that you can be defeated by. Because if you trust him at all times, because he is everything that you need. He, David has already reeled off who God is to him. And, and so David declares, says, trust him at all times. Very early on in my Christian life, I learned a valuable principle when you're in trouble or you're in the spiritual desert. And often at times when we're in trouble and we're in the desert and we're in difficulties, we pray, Lord, get me out of here. Lord, rescue me. Lord, deliver me. A wise old person said to me one day in, in church, I simply said this, I said, listen, when you're in that place, in that desert, in that trouble, he said, there's another prayer that you can pray. Not just, Lord, rescue me, Lord, deliver me. The other prayer is this. Lord, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me? God often uses the challenging circumstances, the difficult people, the struggles that we have, so we rely upon him, so we grow upon him, because it's often the only way that we grow, by being challenged through the difficulties and the challenges that we face in life. It's why David has come to the point in his life and he simply said, listen, I've learned this, to trust God at all times, with everything, to wait upon God, to silently surrender my life to God, to wait upon him. And he encourages the people to do this because David simply says, he said, this is what I've learned, so I want to share it with you. And he actually encourages them. He says, listen, pour out your hearts to God unburden yourself to God and him alone with all situations, with all circumstances with all people at all times make God your refuge he says you know when the Old Testament speaks of refuge it is always in the context of a threat or something that's coming against a person or a group of people or something that is dangerous something that is, could be physical something that could be spiritual something could, that could be material could be anything and the, the threat is there and, and every time it's used in the Old Testament it, it's refuge is used of a, as a place for people to turn to to go to so Psalm 46 verse 1 says God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in time of trouble the writer's telling the people who are reading it, he says, listen, he's your refuge and your strength, ever-present help, which means all the time, in times of trouble, that's the one that you run to. And all the way through the Old Testament, every time it's used, it's used as a refuge from a storm or shade from the sun or protection from enemies. You know, and all these cases, it reminds us of this. A refuge is required because of all the brokenness, all the trouble, all the sin, all the difficulties that surround us. But it's not just any refuge the Old Testament speaks of. It's that God is our refuge. He is the answer. He is the one that we run to. He is the one that we turn to. He is the one that gives us the refuge from everything that we are facing and the consequences of it. And you see, God it speaks many times of his ability to protect us from the dangers just described. 
If you continue on in Psalm 46 after it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. It describes the mountains falling into the sea. Uh, and it describes the earth breaking. And the writer uses the worst description of natural catastrophes to simply say, God is with you. God is with you. He is your refuge. He is your strength. Almost as a word for the people that even read it today as we read that uh, Psalm 46 today, that he's still our refuge and strength. And you're in trouble at the moment. There's no greater verse to speak of than that because he's a never-present help in time of trouble. Your refuge and your strength. You see, when God alone is your source of salvation, you can rest secure in him. You can rest secure in him. You see, David gives another lesson here. He says, repeat these truths when the enemy is attacked. Re repeat this spiritually when the enemy attacks. Tell the truth to others, but make sure you tell the truth to yourself. Because often we're good at sometimes of giving everybody else advice. And pastors are brilliant at this. You can give everybody else advice. And I've got the right stuff just to tell all of you if you sit down with me. But see, telling myself, oh, I'm not going to do that. Says, but he tells us, says, tell the truth to others, but tell the truth to yourself as well. Martin Lloyd-Jones, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, he says, have you realised that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? And before you all think, is that not the first sign of madness, talking to yourself? <laughs> no, it's not. He says, he's talking about spiritually. Is how often do we listen to the doubts? How often do we listen to the uncertainties? How often do we listen to those things that are, we'll spend hours listening uh, and believing certain things and not believing the word of God? He says, we touched on this last year when we did the battlefield of the mind and we spoke on Psalm 43 verse 5 that says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. And when we spoke on that verse, we said this, that David had nobody else to encourage him. So it was his job to encourage himself. And they used the illustration of speaking to yourself. And looking down, this is my soul. Somebody said, last time I preached on this, you have a big soul. And I said, cheeky. He says, but he says, speak to yourself. Don't just listen to yourself but speak to yourself because he says this he says why are you downcast why so disturbed within me he says put your hope in God what had he learned what does he mean by putting your hope in God well he's declared it already when he says my God my fortress my refuge my rock my salvation my deliverer my honor that's what he's speaking to himself because David just looks out at the circumstances and the trouble and he says, there is nothing that can defeat me that is in front of me. And actually, a lot of the time, we're defeated by what's within us. And actually, that's why I encourage it's not just for us to listen to ourselves, but talk to ourselves. Not for us to stand almost falsely in front of the mirror and simply say, oh, Matt, you're good looking. You're tremendous. Yeah. I wish I was you. Not that. Because some people do that. She's standing in front of the mirror and putting your hope in God. So when you get up in the morning, it's no wonder David says in Psalm 5, verse 3, he says, early in the morning I rise. 
and I leave my requests with you, God. He says that. Why does he do that? Because I think there's some of this in there. He says, whatever he's faced the day before was the day before. This is a new day. He's putting his hope in God. So no matter how downcast he feels, no matter how fed up he may be, he's getting up. It's a new day and says, my hope and my hope alone and my trust alone is in God. And there is nothing that I face that can defeat me because if God is for us, who or what can be against us? That's the confidence of faith that we have today. It's the certainty of the assurance of the presence of God that not only is in front of us leading us but behind us supporting us, walking with us at our side to guide us. That's the certainty that we have today. The hope and the encouragement that we have. We don't just have to go along with the thoughts that come in the morning which bring back the problems of yesterday. We almost have got to take it in hand and preach to ourselves almost. My soul, why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. It's amazing what can happen when you put your hope in God. It's amazing when you take the trust and say, God, I'm not looking around. I know there are difficulties, there are trouble. I'm putting my trust and hope in him. And you see, and then you must go remind yourself who God is, what God is, what he has done, what God has pledged himself to do to step out onto and into the promises of God. It is never a step into the dark, but a step into the most certain thing that we can have in our lives, which is the truth of the word of God, more secure than anything. And David finishes this, but he says his words, he says, one thing God has spoken, he says two things I have heard. And I thought, well, that's a strange thing to, to say, isn't it? But he's hearing God twice. And these are the two things that he's hearing, we read. God is powerful and God is loving. It's amazing that the devil always attacks either or both of these truths when we face trials. When we're in trouble, the first thing we do is... God will not rescue me, God will not deliver me, God will not be my answer. We'll live and believe the doubt. The second thing we'll believe is God doesn't love me because if he loved me, he would rescue me. If he loved me, he would deliver me. He says, and it's what the devil uses most to attack us, to, to deceive us, to distract us from those two truths. And David declares, and these are the two truths that we need to stand on. God is powerful and God is loving David has learnt two powerful lessons here about God which will help us. The first one is this. Power without love is brutality and love without power is weakness. God is as equal in power as he is in love. Because power without love is brutality. Anybody can be strong. But if you have love, it says, if you have love without power, then it's weakness. Yet God is both. He's as equally powerful as he is loving. It, 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 there's, a, there's a balance there that the season David recognises that and shares that with the people. Imagine the interest that God takes in you today. He is the creator of the whole universe. And the point that I often use is the furthest point in the galaxy that we have discovered as people, God is there and further. 
He says, of all the people that live in the world, that they estimate that there's nearly 8 billion people that live in the world today, that God is interested in every single one of them. It is mind-blowing. That's the power of God. He says, and yet he is interested in each and every one of us. He hasn't just set the world in motion, sits back on his throne and says, well, I can do some things and they can look after themselves. He says, actually interested in each and every aspect of our lives. Each and every one of us, what's going on. He says, it's mind-blowing. We, we, it's no wonder he says we cannot comprehend the mind of God because we can't. But that's his power. And we see his love displayed on the cross in equal measure by sending his son for each and every one of us. And, and David doesn't even see that at this point because it's before Christ and we see it now. Power without love is brutality, but love without power is weakness. But the second lesson he learns is this. Power is the foundation of love. Love is the crown of power. David sees God in those two equals. He's powerful and he's loving he uses a special word here. The, in the Hebrew, it's called hesed. And, and you would have heard that word before if you've been around church. It doesn't just mean love. It means loving kindness, a, a steadfast love, a merciful love, a, a covenant love. You know, the truth this morning is this, and some people need to hear this because of their image of God. God loves you and is good to his people. That, that's the truth and some people think that God sits up in the sky almost as a punisher for people listen you have the wrong impression of God if that is your impression of him he's a loving father who is equally powerful and equally loving interested in every aspect of your lives and you see he does not look upon you as somebody that he has to put up with he doesn't look upon you as somebody that he thinks, well, I love them, but I don't love them. His love for each and every one of us is equal. And it's that loving kindness. It's that merciful love. It's that steadfast love that he displays to each and every one of us today. He could love you no more than he does now at this point in your life. He will never love you any more than he does now. I think that's amazing. I think that's incredible. To think to yourself that you think, well, God will love me further down the line if I can do all the right things and, you know, if I can come to this and not that you do that. Listen, he says, scrub that. He says, he loves you today. He loves you no more than he does now. He says, he looks upon you and it's almost like pouring out hearts upon you as a demonstration of the love because that's how much he loves you. He sees you through the eyes of the cross. He's, that's the love of promise. The merciful love. Stop trying to earn what you could never earn. Stop trying to work for what was never yours to work for. He gave his son freely for you and me. We can only accept that by his grace. You are loved today. At least smile about it like this. You are loved today. He loves you today. And, and this just amazing thought, just of him displaying his love towards you, just coming and just simply saying, this is how I feel about you today. Says it's no wonder David has that declaration of confidence in him. You know, it's a journey to get to the point 
where you are declaring this in confidence. It's a challenge to remain there because often we get there when we're boosted and lifted up by something we've heard or something that's happened. Listen, we don't just want to bounce into these thoughts every now and again. We want to live there with the certainty and the confidence that God is all these things to us. He's our assurance and our confidence today. It is a daily reminder and a daily declaration. And to declare that truth is something that we simply need to do. I ask you to stand to your feet, please. Everybody stand to their feet as we come. Finish a little bit differently. It's always good. Simply there's the words of the psalm. Those important verses from 5 to 8. We're just going to read them out together. You read them out as loud as you want. You read them out as quiet as you want. It's the NIV. If that offends any of you, then just, you know, well, oh well. Here we go. <laughs> just on three. Let's read this together. Don't just read. This is not school assembly. Right? This is a declaration in the confidence that we have in God for whatever circumstances and situations that you that you, capital Y-O-U, are facing at the moment. And we declare this over those circumstances, over those situations, believing that God will not just answer our prayers because we've asked him, but believing God will answer our prayers because our confidence is in him. On three. One, two, three. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my righty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we, we just come today. We literally don't want to pray to ask you anything. We literally just want to come this morning as a church, declare our confidences in you. And Father God, I don't know what every person in this church is facing at the moment. But I do know this. There is no circumstance or situation that is bigger than you. There is nothing that they face that their confidence can't be in you to declare. You are our rock, our refuge, our fortress, our salvation, our deliverer, our honour. And Father, we come and we just simply speak that out today, both in word and song. The Father, we come and we just lift up all these situations to you. Whether you answer our prayers the way we expect you to, Father, we know that we can put our trust in you and trust you at all times in all situations, with all our confidence that you are our solid rock. And we will wait patiently for you, for we will find our answers, our deliverance, and our salvation in you. And we simply thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>